The regime comes, you know, comes down on them, beating them up and, and getting all these goons to, you know, to repress them. Communism in the crosshairs. The congressman is here to weigh in. I am the victim of digital hacking, cyber stalking. A South Florida senator fights back and walks out. You can see what was inside. Delivered before dawn packages of hate speech. Ongoing white supremacist rhetoric. Um, their message is quite vile, actually. It's, it's fresh, it's nice. And the coldest day in a decade, prompting a falling iguana warning. It's all live this week in South Florida. Good morning, glad you could join us on this wintry morning. I'm Michael Putnam. I'm Glenna Milberg. We begin with the South Florida Congressman finishing his first term and headed to November with no official opponent. This week, Congressman Carlos Jimenez and his South Florida colleagues held an event to unveil a bill to combat communism. And Congressman Jimenez is a sponsor of that bill. He joins us now live by way of Zoom. Congressman, good morning. Great to have you on the show. How good are morning. you? Great to be here. By the way, congratulations, Lena, on your uh, Emmy. Ah, thank you, sir. <laughs> Uh, Congressman, let me begin with a strictly political question. As Glenna said at the outset, you are running for re-election and no Democrat has announced that he or she is going to uh, run against you in November. Now, is that because of the sterling job you're doing or because the Democrats have a weak bench or because President Biden's approval ratings are in the 30s and the prospects for Democrats is just pretty dismal? What's going on there? I think you answered it. All three. So I think I'm doing a you know a good job. Uh, I when I when I'm in the stores and uh, people come up to me and say you're doing a great job and and I'm very humbled by that. I'm humbled by the fact that I represent uh, Florida's 26th congressional district. It's a great honor to be a congressperson. I think the Democrats do have a very weak bench down here in South Florida in particular, in Florida uh, in general. And also, you know, President Biden's approval ratings are in the tank. Uh, and then everything that he touches, everything that the Democrats, look, everything I said the Democrats were going to do, they're doing. And everything that they're doing is not working. Actually, it's actually hurting America. And so the American people have woken up to the fact that they have an inept president, uh, an incompetent administration, that everything they touch basically turns to it doesn't turn to gold. Let's put it that way. Okay. Yeah. So, well, and, uh, yeah, and so uh, let yeah. me just jump in and say, since no Democrat is present, that the growth rate of the economy over the last year, we just found out on Friday, was 5.8 percent. Now that's a record. Haven't had that in a couple of decades. So sure. and, and unemployment is 3.9 percent. Some things are going well, aren't they? Uh, yeah, except that uh, unemployment is 3.9%, but there are 10 million jobs opening, which means that there are a lot of Americans not even looking for a job, which uh, presses down that unemployment rate. Inflation is at a 40-year high. Gas prices are over 100% 100% higher than when they when they took over. Joe Biden closed our pipeline, the the XL pipeline, and then allowed Putin to to go and open his pipeline. Putin is now threatening uh, the the uh, Ukraine. Uh, look, things just aren't going well, and people know it. The border is a no. It's not. It's not a, a mess. It is a disaster. Over two million uh, encounters that we've had, you know, in the last year, and those are the encounters of people we actually know that are crossing the border. They're flouting the law. The people are being sent all over this country. No vaccines. No no tests to d determine if they have COVID or not. And yet. You and I, you know, uh, according to Biden, we have to wear masks and we have to have a vaccine, uh, you know, passport to go into a restaurant. Congressman? But if you cross the southern border, that's not the case. 
look, the American people have seen what's going on. It's a disaster, an unmitigated disaster. And, uh, and the growth rate is due to the fact that we had such a slowdown in the economy due to COVID-19. It's bound to rebound. And thank God that we're rebounding now, but not at the way it should be. So, Congressman, um, economy, inflation, to your point, these are every, on top of everybody's minds right now. I want to take you to sort of your news of the week because you were here unveiling a bill, and it wasn't about the economy and it wasn't about inflation. It was about combating communism. Um, so the bill that you had announced with your South Florida colleagues was uh, a bill that will create just, I guess, a, it's just kind of a one-liner. It'll create a State Department envoy especially to combat communism. Why is that needed now? What does that do that the State Department and, and USAID and the administration doesn't do right now? It, uh, it focuses the administration, it focuses the, the, uh, the State Department, has one individual focused in on what communism, socialism, authoritarianism, uh, uh, regimes are doing around the world to try to help the people, freedom-loving people of the world to, to raise, throw the yoke off off of them in places like Cuba, Venezuela, Nicaragua, and other places. And also, it puts a, a, an emphasis, uh, hopefully, on our own hemisphere. There are there are things happening in our hemisphere which are uh, rather troubling to me. Uh, we have uh, leading in the polls in Colombia, you know, a very stable democracy for, for many, many years. Somebody who was a member of M19 guerrilla group, uh, who we believe is a Marxist. And uh, are they gonna be following the Maduro blueprint because Maduro is pumping millions of dollars into that election, hopefully to find an ally and then maybe, maybe, just maybe, uh, convert, uh, change uh, Colombia into Venezuela. Yeah. We need to be cognizant of what's happening around the world, but especially in our own hemisphere. Of course, and so it's the, the, to, to put that, put that yeah, emphasis on it. Yeah, absolutely. I guess, I guess the, the question is, you remember, was it last month, there was uh, the Biden administration convened world leaders, talked about more than $400 million to especially address exactly those things that create that atmosphere, corruption and poverty, uh, crime. So, so I guess the question is, what will a special envoy do that is not being done right now? It puts, a, it puts an emphasis on it. It puts somebody specially focused on that and also somebody that can have the ear of the president. Will this president actually listen to that envoy? I doubt it, uh, just like he didn't listen to his generals in, uh, in Afghanistan. And so this is being uh, put forward uh, now. I don't think it's going to hit the, the floor because obviously we're in the minority. But next year, hopefully when we're near majority, it'll be put on the floor, debated, hopefully passed and then passed by the Senate. Then we'll see what the president of the United States is going to do with that piece of legislation. Will he veto it or will he accept it? Uh, and then once he accepts it, if he accepts it, will he actually listen to the special envoy uh, telling him about threats to democracy, especially in our hemisphere? And that's really what this is all about. This is not a cure-all. It's just a step in the right direction. Obviously, we need a lot to do a lot more things uh, in our own hemisphere and a lot more things to combat uh, the threat of uh, socialism and communism around the world and in our hemisphere, especially in our hemisphere. And by the way, that's not the only bill that I've introduced. I've introduced a whole bunch of other bills that have to deal with the economy or supply chain. Uh, and this is just one of the bills that I've introduced. You have. And just for the record, we just do the topical news of the week. That's why we brought this one. Right. Mike. Okay, no problem. <laughs> Congressman, let's talk about communism close to home in Cuba. Right now, I think... Um, uh, the Cuban, the Diaz-Canel regime, is conducting these show trials for nearly 800 men, women, and children 
who were arrested after the July 7th, uh, uh, 11th uh, insurrection, the rebellion in the streets, which were largely peaceful. Uh, yeah. And uh, what is the United States doing or what can the United States do to react against this terrible act of repression? Well, I think that, you know, the United States can can impose, you know, harsher harsher restrictions, harsher uh, sanctions, you know, on the, on the Cuban uh, Cuban regime. We certainly can do what we've been asking for, uh, since July, uh, restore, you know, free access to, to Internet uh, for the Cuban people so that they can communicate amongst themselves and communicate to the to the rest of the world about what's actually happening in Cuba. You know, they've uh, they put in jail, uh, you know, one of the the the, uh, the writers of of that song that won two two uh, two Grammys, you know, you know, Patria Vida. Uh, actually, one of them is in jail right now simply for writing a song, you know, asking for 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 uh, freedom. Uh, and that's all the people of Cuba asked for freedom. They didn't they weren't, they weren't asking for anything else. And they were just went to the street, spontaneous demonstrations. And then what do you get? Uh, no, no violence, nothing. It's just asking for freedom. This is what you get. You get put, put, put in jail and put on trial. And so, you know, this is what we're talking about when we're talking about totalitarian regimes uh, and, and then how they oppress the people and how they're oppressing the people of this hemisphere. The United States needs to be the leader. It needs to be, we need to be that beacon of hope. We need to take steps to assure that in this, at least in this hemisphere, Okay, this is the hemisphere of democracy. Unfortunately, it may be going the other way with some of the uh, the elections. And by the way, these totalitarian regimes, they you know they're using democracy against democracy. Look what happened in Venezuela. Chavez was elected democratically, and that and yet he went in and changed the constitution, also changed the makeup of the Supreme Court, their Supreme Court, where they got forty-five thousand, uh, you know, uh, verdicts in favor of the government. Uh, and that's what they're doing. This is the new playbook for, for communist and totalitarian re regimes. They're using democracy against itself to create these regimes that then are self-perpetuating. Well, we understand they are Potemkin democracies. They don't really exist in the way that we in Western Europe, uh, Scandinavia, a lot of the, the world. Well, we need to take a break, uh, Congressman. Sure. Stay with us. We'll be right back. On this chilly Sunday, we are speaking with U.S. Congressman Carlos Jimenez, who is joining us by Zoom. Uh, Congressman, the world right now is on the precipice of maybe the first major shooting war in decades as these Russian troops are surrounding all the borders of Ukraine. Uh, experts say that once the ground is totally frozen, maybe in a week or two, uh, when the Russian tanks and troops can could move in more easily, uh, that in fact uh, uh, Russia is going to invade Ukraine. What is your opinion of the job the Biden administration has been doing to try to halt that or to discourage Biden, uh, Putin from, from doing that? And, and what would you like to see President Biden do? Well, I mean, you know, obviously the first thing that I'd like to see him do is, is supply um, you know, more lethal, lethality to the Ukrainians so that they can protect themselves against this onslaught if it comes. Uh, it's also to serve as a deterrent so that it doesn't come. First thing he did, though, I mean, back in uh, when he took office and then he, he killed our pipeline, 
and then he allowed Putin to build his pipeline. And so you could have used that as a weapon. You could have used energy as a chip, but he gave away that chip. He gave away that chip right off the bat without even starting the play. And that's the problem with President Biden. He's just wrong. He's wrong all the time. He doesn't understand, you know, the dynamics of it. He is destroying our energy industry while allowing the Russian industry, energy industry, which in turn funds the, the Russian military uh, to thrive. And so that's one of the things that I would use. I'd say I'd go, I'd, you know, I'd tell Putin, hey, uh, go ahead. If you want to do that, we're, gonna, we're going to help the Ukrainians defend themselves. But in the end, if you do, the sanctions are going to be severe. That pipeline, we're going to sanction it again, and we're going to start our own production, and we're going to drive your energy production into the ground. That's exactly what Reagan did back in the 80s when he, he ramped up our military spending, and he ba basically spent the Soviet Union into the right. ground. They couldn't keep up with us. They can't keep up with us on this either, uh, either but, the, but uh, Biden has already given that up uh, because he, he is heck-bent on destroying our energy industry here in the United States, which, by the way, produces energy 20% cleaner than other places in the world. So we produce the cleanest energy, and yet we want to destroy ours and then ask OPEC to build to, to pump more because you know what you know we need we need more gas in the United States. We were almost, if not totally, energy independent before President Biden came in, and now we're not. Well, thank you again, uh, President Biden. President Biden again, you know, just just doesn't understand. He makes the wrong choices for the American people, actually putting us in danger. Because Congressman? you're right. We are in, we are, you know, close to having an all-out shooting war in uh, in Europe, something which we haven't had in decades. Congressman, I want to I want to go back to something that you said before uh, relative to Cuba, the political prisoners, and the focus, at least in this country, for five decades now, on the need for free and fair elections. There, one of the components of what would be a free Cuba. Um, I want to sort of launch from that into in the House vote on the Voting Rights Act. You you voted against the U.S. Voting Rights Act. Why? Why? Because that's a, it's a farce. I mean, you've got uh, you you have you know uh, elections need to be fair and verifiable, and those that that are eligible to vote should should vote. We have the freest elections in the world. We have you know we have early voting. We have absentee ballots. Uh, you, day of voting with over 800 places where you, where you can go. That Voting Rights Act is not really a Voting Rights Act. It would have it would have opened the door for all kinds of shenanigans to to happen. And so like I don't what? think what, what that, kind of shenanigans? Well, were, let's were say you that you have. Of? Let's say you're putting you're putting ballot boxes all over the place and then they're not being guarded by anybody, which is what happened in in Georgia. Well, what's to stop somebody from going in and stealing all those ballot boxes in heavily Democrat area or heavily, heavily Republican area? How about counting votes after the election is over? All right. That's ridiculous. That way, you know, hey, we need to find 30,000 votes here. Let's go find 30,000 votes somewhere. It's just asking for trouble. The Would way you, we hold um, elections here, the way we hold elections here in Florida should be the, the model for the for the rest of the nation. But it's up to the state legislators to determine the, the means and methods of their elections in their states. That's what, what's in the Constitution. This should not be a federal takeover of election laws around the nation. Yeah, well, in fact, uh, Congressman, the Constitution clearly says that Congress has the supreme right to set the rules, regulations, and laws regarding uh, elections. And I think what the Democrats say they want is some uniformity and also to make voting easier and not to put barriers in the way, especially of minority voters. 
But like, what barriers are there to 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 people getting to to voting? I mean, we have here we have 14 days of early voting. You have 30 in Miami-Dade County. You have 33 different polling places. You can ask for request an early uh, an absentee ballot, which we will be mailed to you a month before the election is over. You just need to get it in before at set by seven o'clock on on election day. We count the votes as they as they come in. You get the results really really quickly. And you know what? Nobody said a word about it. You know those, the the places that are most restrictive happen to be the blue states. All right, like like. Uh, uh, you know the, the place where where the president comes from, okay? And so and so they they don't have the same kind of rules as they even have in Georgia, for God's sakes. And so look, it's really uh, it, it says voting rights bill, but it's not. And uh, what we need to have are equitable laws, fair laws that allow you to vote. There are no there is no restrictions on voting here. I don't know of any place that they restrict anybody on voting. And you have in at least in in this state. You have over a month to get your vote in. I think the, the whole argument is ridiculous. Carlos Jimenez, Congressman from Miami, you know we just never have enough time with you ever. <laughs> Thank you for being with us today. Yeah, and I, and I enjoy the back and forth with you guys too, you know. So uh, <laughs> whenever you want me back, I'll be back. Deal. Congressman, thank you. And if you played golf as yeah, I know you love to do, early Sunday mornings at the Biltmore, I guess you wore your gloves today. Oh, I didn't play today. <laughs> it was a little too cold. A little too cold for me, even even for me. Today. Even for so, you. Uh, even for me. So tomorrow, I mean, uh, next Sunday, I'll probably be out there as long as it's not 35 degrees. Okay. okay falling you. All right, Congressman. Hit them long and straight. Thank you very much. Up next, from cyber stealing personal posts to the state surgeon general, one state senator led several fights this week. You're going to hear from Lauren Book when we come back. A bit of drama upended the typically reserved state committee meetings this week when Democrats walked out during questioning of Florida Surgeon General. They sure did. State Senator Lauren Book of Plantation is the Senate Democratic leader, and she led that walkout late this week. I spoke with her about it and about an extortion plot against her involving nude photos of her. You asked Dr. Lapido a number of very straight questions. Did you get any straight answers? We didn't get any straight answers from the uh, Surgeon General. It was very frustrating, very upsetting. My colleagues and I came prepared to ask questions, not just about the COVID-19 pandemic, but about other health issues that happened and have happened across our state, whether it was the hepatitis C outbreak, issues relating to AIDS and HIV, um, disparate um, healthcare in our state. And we really didn't get any answers, uh, whether it was about a a, an employee of the DOH who was just suspended because of raising concerns of vaccination rates to a very pointed question about vaccines and masks. Uh, we didn't get any answers. We got a lot of pleasantries and niceties, but uh, that was about it. Yeah. Well, and one of the most pointed questions and most important questions was, um, do vaccines work against COVID? Yes or no? Did you ever get a yes or no answer? 
we got a lot of, as I said yesterday, a lot of words, um, but uh, we, you know, he meandered through it and said that there was some modest benefit, but the reality is we know, and he said he likes to be guided in science, um, that vaccines work in making sure that the, that the effects of COVID-19 um, are going to be as cataclysmic and may not result in hospital stays. I also asked very pointedly, does masking work to prevent the spread of COVID-19? Again, a yes or no question. We didn't get that yes or no answer from uh, the Surgeon General. Um, as we continue to press, I asked another very pointed question about some of the um, choices that he has made as it related to a colleague of ours who was suffering from breast cancer. Senator Polsky. Yeah. Yes. Uh, when Senator Polsky was undergoing her um, treatment for cancer, she had a meeting with um, Dr. Ladapo and she asked him to wear a mask because he refuses to say whether or not he's vaccinated, which is, of course, I guess his right. Um, but uh, he refused to put on that mask and made some very disparaging comments and was very disrespectful to her and the Florida Senate as a whole. Um, very pointedly asked him if he regretted those choices. He refused to say whether or not he regretted those decisions. Um, and quite frankly, we are the third largest state in the country. As the Florida Senate, we have the ability to confirm these positions. And we believed that this was a game to him. It was beneath the dignity of the Senate. And we had a lot of work to get done yesterday, a lot of bills on the agenda. And our constituents sent us here to do work. And so we weren't in, in we weren't excited about playing any more games with um, Dr. Ladapo. And so we decided to abstain, walk out so that we could move, they could move on with the dog and pony show that was going on. And we could continue to do the business of our constituents. Right. Well, uh, would you say that his refusal or his evasiveness was simply his style, or was he really trying to uh, obstruct this procedure? You know, I think, I, I, I don't believe, Michael, that that is his, a, a style. I think that when you ask very pointed questions, you should get point, you should get answers. Um, and when asked very directly and given multiple opportunities to answer a question, you answer the question that you're being asked, particularly in a confirmation hearing with multiple members of the legislature. Again, not just questions about COVID-19, um, but health disparities amongst the state, why the Department of Health is no longer putting up a COVID-19 dashboard. Senator Jones asked that question, not an answer that was direct again. And so when asked again to give pointed answers, we never got those. We got a lot of pleasantries. We got a lot of niceties, um, a lot of verbal jujitsu, I like to say, but no direct answers. Right. Um, is the real root of the situation here the fact that uh, Dr. Lampado is ideologically absolutely in lockstep with Governor DeSantis? Look, I believe that this is an individual who has a lot of um, answers that he has to give, uh, not just the Florida Senate, but Floridians as a whole. 21 million Floridians deserve the top doctor in our state who's gonna be guided by real science. This is a man who said that mask wearing was an extreme measure. This is a man who stood with Florida's frontline doctors who condemned common sense COVID-19 safety measures. This is a man who falsely claimed he treated COVID-19 patients something that his former colleagues at UCLA dispute. And so we didn't even get a chance to ask some of those questions because of the games that he chose to play. It is dangerous 
And this confirmation is going to continue to go through. It will go to ethics and elections and then to the floor. And we believe as a caucus, it's our job to point out the concerns that very that, that are very real. And yes, I do believe this is a political mouthpiece for the governor. If you look at Dr. Rivkes, who was here, who as we were walking into a pandemic, we voted to confirm. Some of our caucus voted for him, some of the, us voted against him. But as we were walking into a pandemic, we felt that we had a responsibility to stay with what we had, right? And we saw opportunities where Dr. Rivkes did stand up to the administration and make comments about mask wearing and the amount of time that we would have to be wearing a mask. And then you saw very quickly the administration ripped him off the dais at that point and didn't really let him speak after that. Yeah. This individual is side by side with our governor spewing false information and that is extremely dangerous to Floridians and we believe again that 21 million Floridians deserve better from the top doc top doctor in our state. I know this is a sensitive topic but uh, images of you were hacked from your phone several months ago and a young man was arrested and is charged with a crime. Now you have introduced this bill on November the 12th, I had just dropped off my kids at school and was sitting at my coffee table doing some work. And I got a text message that said, is this Lauren Book? And I said, who is this? And they said, someone with a proposition for you. And then sent two photos to me. Um, one was of a sunburn. The other was um, uh, after a lumpectomy that I just had, had undergone in November. Um, I immediately reached out to FDLE and they began um, an investigation. A sting was done and an individual was arrested and is currently out on bond. Um, I, am, I am the victim of digital hacking, cyber stalking and image-based sexual abuse. Um, not just images um, that were stolen from me and my husband, but also deep fakes that were created that aren't me, um, but are created. And you can use three or more images to create those things. Um, we. It's a term now that I'm using is cyber trafficking. They're being bought, sold, and traded for online, and I have no control without my consent on the dark recesses of the internet. We know that this is happening uh, not just across our state, across the country, and across the world, um, predominantly to women and girls, and we're working very hard to, to, to pass this piece of legislation so that if you knowingly and willfully not just create these images and sell them online or trade them online for some pecuniary value, um, but if you create them, uh, that that will be a crime. We have bipartisan support. I think another really important piece of the measure um, would, uh, would change the, the definition of child pornography, right? Because child pornography implies um, consent, and we know that children cannot consent. But uh, it's something that I never thought in a million years that I would be a victim of a sex crime again at this point in time in my life. But here I am, and here we are trying to make a difference. Thank you to Senator Lauren Book. Up next, hundreds of neighbors woke up to messages of hate this week. A firsthand encounter with the rise of anti-Semitism. That is what we're going to talk about next with our guests. Just about this time last week, hundreds of people in South Florida were waking up to find packages like this on their lawns and their driveways, baggies filled with flyers, filled with anti-Semitic, hate-tinged lies and false accusations. The latest anti-Semitic incidents brought instant disgust, confusion, fear, 
and a lot of questions. Mitchell Tamper is the head of security at the Jewish Federation of Broward County. Lonnie Wilk is the interim regional director of the ADL Florida Division. Lonnie, great to have you back. Welcome. See you again. And Mitchell, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Morning. Good morning, Glenna. Mitchell, Michael. can we, uh, I want to start with you because you had a front row seat to this. You got a call last Sunday uh, from some of the people you know who found these on your driveway. Um, I, I just want to throw out there that personally, I'm not going to be saying the name of this group because uh, I, I just don't want to give it more attention and a platform than it already has. But you know about this group. They're national. They're prolific. Tell us what you know. Uh, this group has been around for quite some time. Um, they've done rides. They've done flyer distribution, not only here in South Florida, but across the United States as well. Um, their message is vile, anti-Semitic, uh, and it, it actually puts uh, some fear in, in, in the people of, of who, who receive these. Yeah. Um, Lonnie, talking about putting fear in people, uh, I have to say that my wife and I were driving yesterday morning, Shabbat morning, by a couple of synagogues in our neighborhood. There were police cars stationed outside every one of them. And that's probably a good thing, but at the same time, you think to yourself, why in 2022 do we need police cars stationed outside houses of worship, Jewish houses of worship? Yeah, well, it's a... We're in a very, uh, a very interesting uh, and and disturbing point uh, in history. Where, uh, look, the Jewish community across the country and right here in South Florida have experienced uh, a significant rise in anti-Semitic incidents targeting uh, children, targeting individuals, targeting houses of worship. Uh, in in 2019, we saw nationally the highest level. Uh, of anti-Semitic incidents that we that ADL has seen since we started tracking them in 1979. And in the following year, although there was a 4% drop across the country, Florida saw a 40, 40% increase in anti-Semitic incidents. And what accounts uh, so we, for that, Lonnie? What, what accounts for that, that alarming increase in Florida? I think one of the things that we saw, look, when when the coronavirus pandemic hit, a lot of us thought that incidents of anti-Semitism and all forms of bigotry would decrease because we had less human interaction. Uh, but we saw the exact opposite. Uh, we saw incidents of harassment, of vandalism in our state uh, significantly increase. We saw, we had to, uh, we coined and, and learned the term Zoom bombing. Uh, where we had uh, a, a significant level of Jewish institutions uh, being targeted on this uh, Zoom platform. Uh, in fact, here in the state of Florida, one of the first Zoom bombing incidents occurred uh, to a funeral. Uh, while a Jewish family was burying a loved one, while they were graveside, yeah. someone took over the, uh, the screen and shared uh, swastikas and uh, Nazi rhetoric, and it's it's vile, and it needs to stop. Mitch, I want to um, I want to talk about something that I found really fascinating this week. You have a, a background in law enforcement, um, and as horrible as people are finding these these flyers and the speech and the venom and the hate and the possible danger, 
the police departments that are involved and the Miami-Dade State Attorney, we found hard-pressed to find, and they're looking, for what the actual crime is, because a hate crime in Florida has to be attached to something else first to elevate the crime. But the underlying crime here, and, and on the bottom of the flyers, it actually says these flyers were distributed randomly and without malicious intent, almost like a disclaimer, <coughs> knowing that they could get around any kind of laws. What do you make of this? What is the crime? What can the crime be here? Unfortunately, Glenna, um, this falls under the first their First Amendment right of free speech. Uh, the same First Amendment right that protects everybody else also, unfortunately, protects them. That doesn't mean that uh, intelligence is not gathered. That 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 just like any other uh, terrorist group or or, or right wing or left wing for that matter group that instills fear and promotes a message of hate, that doesn't mean law enforcement is not looking at them, waiting for them to make some mistake or commit some crime or, or violate some law. Uh, the, again, the same message that protects, they don't, they don't go on people's property uh, when they do this, and that makes it very difficult to prosecute. I, I do stay in touch with my local prosecutor's office when a crime, when an alleged hate crime is committed, and I am trying to to pursue anything that would would elevate any of these to a hate crime. So, uh, Lonnie, can I just take that and follow up with you? So, hate speech is free speech, um, and so with the rise of hate speech and anti-Semitic actions that comes under the First Amendment, I, what what do you do with that? How do you, especially with social media, I read a headline someplace, ancient hate, modern medium. Social media has just exponentially made things worse. Disinformation, lies, conspiracy theories. What do you do with that? So uh, thank you for uh, for that. The, the social media uh, and, and the platforms that we all use on a day-to-day -day basis have really amplified hate speech to a dangerous level. Uh, we know that rhetoric, that anti-Semitic or any other kind of bias-motivated rhetoric may not stay at rhetoric. It may accelerate to harassment, to acts of violence. And so we need to take firm measures against uh, 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 the spread of conspiracy theories against the spread of hate. And it, what uh, uh, Mitch had mentioned earlier that uh, these individuals had used their free speech, every single other person in our society also has free speech. So we can use our voices to denounce anti-Semitism, to denounce bigotry. Uh, and one thing I, I must uh, say that we've in the Jewish community have seen frequently uh, late of late is uh, we've seen anti significant levels of anti-Semitism uh, coming from the left, coming from the right. We've seen anti-Semitism related uh, last May to the Israel-Hamas conflict. Uh, we've seen a significant level of uh, Holocaust uh, uh, comparisons to the COVID pandemic, to vaccines, which are, are all just vile. We need leaders, we need community members to speak out clearly and consistently um, as allies against anti-Semitism because anti-Semitism does not just affect 
the Jewish community. Anti-Semitism is anti-American. Homophobia is anti-American. Islamophobia is anti-American. Racism is anti-American. And we need to stand up for that American value. Lonnie, Mitch, we are going to take a quick break and we will be back to pick up this conversation next. Today on This Week in South Florida, we are speaking with Mitchell Tapper of the Broward County Jewish Federation and Lonnie Wilk of the ADL about the alarming rise in anti-Semitism. Lonnie earlier said that it's up 40 percent in Florida, anti-Semitic incidents over the last year. Uh, Mitchell Tapper, let me ask you, these flyers, as you well know, were distributed in Miami Beach and in the city of Fort Lauderdale. But then Glenna and Glenna reported on this in several other cities around the country, the same flyers. So there does seem to be some organizational effort to do this. How big is this organization? The group itself um, has followers uh, and they uh, communicate with their followers and whatever city, it's not always the same that they hit uh, with, with littering these flyers around uh, the United States. Uh, in select cities, I guess, where they have th those followers. Uh, they're not always the same flyer. They always have a vile, disgusting, anti-Semitic message attached to them. Uh, and this group also will do these rallies where they do runs uh, in, in several cities and hang banners over overpasses and drive through uh, touting their message. And when you deal with this group, Mitch, and others like it, um, as we were talking about before, it is the, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is the, is the fear that it will become violent or is the fear more it will spur others to violence? The fear is that it will spur violence. This group in and of itself is not violent. They come pretty close to getting in your face before they cross that line. Um, but there are other incidents, for example, Colleyville, Texas, or, or other incidents even in South Florida where Jews have been attacked walking to or from synagogue. So, so when you have something that may be on its face value nonviolent, th there is a, a hint of, of, oh, my God, what might happen next? So we, we try to step up you know, security in all the Jewish communities and institutions. Lonnie, you were talking about um, hate in all, all its forms, anti-Semitism, uh, sexism, racism, homophobia, Islamophobia. Uh, anti-Semitism, though, has a different component because besides hate, there is a, a conspiracy theory component that makes it a bit more insidious. Um, I wonder if you would address that. Yeah, we've seen uh, anti-Semitic conspiracy theories uh, about Jewish power, about Jewish control uh, of, of uh, the media, of financial institutions, and uh, much more. Um, we've seen religiously based uh, anti-Semitic conspiracy theories take hold. Uh, and, and the Colleyville um, incident in Texas is a, an interesting example uh, of that, where uh, allegedly, according to uh, reports, the individual came uh, to uh, the United States and carried out uh, the hostage uh, situation because 
He thought that Jews controlled uh, the U.S. government to be able to free a, uh, a, a, a prisoner. And, and that just speaks to the level uh, that which these uh, conspiracy theories can, uh, as Mitch was saying, these uh, the, the hate uh, that these spread may not be on their face uh, to the level of uh, crossing the line into uh, illegal issues, but they can uh, it, it, take hold in some people and accelerate others. You know, um, there isn't a lot of positive things to talk about here, except that the ADL, I know, Lonnie, holds training sessions. I think you had 1,600 of them recently over the last year, you know, to teach young people and others, you know, about intolerance and about this kind of hate. And Mitch, I, I know uh, personally, because I'm on the board, of the Holocaust Documentation and Education Center in Dania Beach. They have student awareness days every year and Holocaust survivors sit down with middle and high school kids and talk about what it was like to be in the Holocaust. I mean, I think these are life-changing kinds of experiences for these young people and we need more of them. Well, Michael, uh, this Broward County is the third largest uh, area where Holocaust survivors are. Um, and yes, that is necessary. And I have uh, consulted personally with the Holocaust Documentation Center as I do with the rest of the community. So getting the message out about that type of hate and, and, and what that brought you know, in the Holocaust is very, very important uh, to teach uh, everyone, to teach in, in both the Documentation Center, uh, to teach our kids, uh, to teach people in general because that message should never go away. Lonnie, I was on the ADL's website, um, just kind of scouting around for our conversation today, and I saw something that kind of stopped me in my tracks. Uh, mm. The Center on Extremism, that is part of the Anti-Defamation League, is tracking more than 100 political candidates this year considered to be mm. extremists. Give us some detail on that, please. I, I, what we're seeing is that individuals who uh, have espoused extremist ideologies from, from the left and the right uh, have traditionally not entered the political sphere. And we are seeing uh, a, a, a significant increase across the country of individuals that are affiliated with some extremist groups uh, run for office, run for local and state offices, uh, run for federal offices. Uh, and so we need to, as, uh, as a society, as, as political, um, our political leaders need to push back uh, and, and uh, against any kind of expression of extremism and, and bigotry. Uh, that is not the way to lift up our society. Uh, and, and two other things that, that, that I would just want to make sure to add in terms of what people uh, can do to push back against uh, anti-Semitism. One, if you see any kind of anti-Semitic or other bias-motivated incident, if it is a crime uh, or a potential crime, contact law enforcement. Uh, and it always reported to ADL at adl.org slash report incident. And give us uh, number uh, two in 10 seconds. We got to go in 10 <laughs> seconds. Uh, we, the, 
we need to all advocate for the Senate Judiciary Committee to uh, to uh, uh, confirm Professor Deborah Lipstadt as the U.S. Special Envoy to monitor uh, and combat anti-Semitism. And uh, we urge Senator Rubio as part of that committee to, to make that happen as soon as possible. Lonnie Wilk, head of the ADL, Mitchell Tapper, Security Director at Jewish Federation of Broward. Great to have you both. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, gentlemen. Stay tuned. Thank you, Glenna. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. Thank you. And we'll be right back. We thank you for being here with us. Remember, we are online 24-7. And remember, as always, stay informed, get involved. Hope you have a great Sunday. Uh, we leave you with an only in South Florida sign of winter. Very chilly times for iguanas falling, but not frozen.